0: Now, a verse or two from the Gospel of John, and in chapter 3, the Gospel of John, and in chapter 3, and i just read one or two verses here, and uh, the verse I want to read is verse number 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then verse 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And then the end of the chapter, verse 36 says, He that believeth on the Son of hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now there was another verse I just had in mind, and it's um, it's verse number 8. A rather interesting verse. It says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, or where it wills, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, that'll be our reading, and we know that God blesses the public reading of his word. In our house some time ago, when our girls were quite small, my wife was sitting reading a book, and in the reading of the book, it was obvious that the story had just reached quite a critical point, point. and one of my daughters was walking past, and she said, to, she said to her mother, she says, Mommy, don't take it so seriously. It's not true well, you see, my wife had begun to read this book and she thought that it was a true life story. And of course, in reading the story, as she turned the pages, the story was reaching, as it were, a climax. And she was kind of touched with the story. But then she got the great disappointment that the story wasn't true and it wasn't real. And my wife just closed the book and she put it down and she never read another page. But this afternoon, I want you to be interested in something that is real, real. We're not here this afternoon to fill the time with little stories, but things that are real, three things in this chapter that are real. I want to think about the condition of the sinner. Now, it's real. You're not saved this afternoon. It's not imaginary. Your condition is real, and it's serious. Then in this chapter, we have... The conversion of souls and you, that's real. Conversion's real. And then I want you to notice now that in this whole preaching of the gospel, bringing to people need and preaching about conversion, there are real consequences, whether you believe it or not. I hope you understand that now. It's not a matter that is inconsequential. You can just walk away and say, well, if it suits you, it's not for me, and it makes no difference. You see, in this chapter, this wonderful chapter, John 3, things are real, and I've been enjoying in recent times just the wonder of the Word of God, the reality of being saved, the reality of having sins forgiven, and the reality of peace with God, and to have a real hope and a real heaven in Christ as Savior, God as Father, the indwelling Holy Spirit, life that's everlasting. What about you this afternoon? Have you got life born again, converted in Christ on the way to heaven? Or are you just living in the world, careless and indifferent? I want to first of all bring down the condition of every soul naturally born. You see in this chapter, beautiful chapter about life and love and the grand word whosoever. But this is a chapter where you read words like perish condemned already preacher of a past generation, a Mr. Frank Knox, away at a a relations place in County Donegal, he read these words, and he stirred his soul, condemned already. You see, our links naturally are not with God, but with Adam. We're linked with a disobedient man. We're linked with a man who brought in sin and death. The Bible makes it very clear for us by one man. Sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And those who have not responded positively in faith to the call of God and the gospel, linked with Adam, the Bible says we're condemned already. Did you ever ask yourself the question, what does that really mean to me as I sit here in this car park in Ballyclare on a Sunday afternoon? Well, I'll give you a few verses to think about. The Bible makes it very clear that sin has left us at a distance for God drove out the man. You'll find that in the opening chapters of the book of Genesis. Sin has left us defiled, needing cleansing. That's Isaiah 1 and verse number 18. Sin has left us with a debt that we have no all to pay. That's Luke's gospel and chapter 7 sin has left us in the dark the darkness of our sins and needing light that's Acts chapter 26 you know it's a pitiful thing to think about souls in death, defiled in the dark at a distance and all because of sin in a place of condemnation and you're on a pathway this afternoon that's very quickly taking you down towards God's judgment but I'm glad to tell you That in this chapter there is hope, there is life, and there is salvation. Oh, you say, I don't believe this whole thing about being saved. It's all a kind of a notion. You people are just people of notions, not at all. Reality. Souls in a place of condemnation and in danger of perishing. I want you to grasp this afternoon that it's very real. But you see, to be converted is equally real. This is a chapter of God's love, God's love for humanity, God's love for souls, God's love for the world, regardless of people's color of skin, and regardless of their religious background, and regardless of their social standing. This is a chapter that announces God's love to the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and what makes conversion real? is that it all begins with God. Everything that we preach this afternoon, as far as the salvation of your soul is concerned, didn't begin with the Christians here in Ballyclare. And it didn't begin with the apostles in the first first century. And it it didn't begin with the great patriarchs, the founding fathers of the nation of Israel, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It all began with God. The prime mover in the gospel is God, a heart of love, the God of grace, the God of mercy. Loving lost souls, loving condemned souls, loving souls defined by sin, loving souls that perish. He loves you this afternoon, take it in. And he wants to bless you and to save you. Oh, the marvel and the wonder of God's love. That's what makes conversion real now. And you see the other matter that makes it real is the death of Christ because that's the demonstration of God's love. If you were at a children's meeting, sometimes preachers bring along something to show to the children and we call it a visual aid. People think it's all very modern, a visual aid. It's not modern at all. The first person to use visual aids is God. God says, you want to see my glory? Then you look at the world. This creation is a visual aid for my glory. God says you want to see my wisdom? My wisdom's demonstrated in the church. God says you want to see my love? My love's displayed at Calvary. Calvary is a visual aid to the world of God's love. It wasn't done in the corner, the apostles said. The Lord Jesus set forth to be a propitiation. That's the idea. Public display, public view. We read in John 3 and 14, Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You see, that's the cross, and we sing that lovely hymn, lifted up, was he to die, what a marvel, God's own son, Mary's firstborn, the Lord from heaven upon a cross. This is what makes conversion real. It's got a foundation, and it's got a substance. Here's a son, his life laid down, a sacrifice. What's it for? Our sins. And what is he? The Bible says he's the Savior of the world. Do you know him this afternoon? Is Jesus Christ your Lord? Is he your Savior? Can you say, my faith is in him? My sins are forgiven? He died for me. You see, I'd love to have that. You see, there's something else that makes conversion real now not just the love of God and the death of Christ, one who died for our sins, paid in full the ransom that God demanded. God has raised him from the dead, received him up into glory, seated him in his own right hand, glorified his son Jesus. But God has sent down his Holy Spirit into the world. We read that in John 3. People that are born of the Spirit. You see, it's not a notion. It's not an idea. It's far more than human feeling and human thought. It's new birth by the power of the Spirit of God. I'm not asking you this afternoon what church you attend or what meetings you go to or whether you read your Bible or pray. I'm asking you this afternoon, are you born again by the power of the Spirit of God? That's conversion. Understanding God loves me, appreciating Christ died that I might be saved, and was that convicting power of the Holy Spirit? What else is in the chapter? For everyone then who believes in the Son. not that marvelous? Oh, it's not my paying, and not my doing, and not my preaching. But just as the hymn writer said, Faith in Christ will save thee. Sinner trust God's risen Son. And everyone in the car park this afternoon that's saved, converted, born again. We all have this in simplicity and in reality. We have faith in Christ for salvation. It's not faith in something, but faith in someone. Faith in a person. Faith in Christ. Faith in the Son of God. See, that's, that's the reality of conversion now. and You ask yourself the question this afternoon, have I got what's real, real, God's love? Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, the working of the Holy Spirit, and then the sinner responding in repentance and in faith, and the joy of life that is everlasting. The Spirit bearing witness with our Spirit that we are the very sons, the very children of God, and inwardly knowing peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, salvation's real. There's quite a number of people here this afternoon that I know. And if I were to bring them here to this desk, they could tell you in language that we often use how and when and where they were reached and saved. And it was all by divine grace and all by divine power. And they wouldn't make one single boast at all on themselves. And their great plea and their great glory is this. I was a guilty sinner, but Jesus died for me. We the first verse quoted in the meetings earlier on today. Because the sinless Savior died. This is where the Christian stands now. My sinful soul is counted free. And God the just is satisfied to look on Christ and to pardon me. And you say, well, sure, so what? If it suits you, that's all right. But we'll just in a moment or two now turn the car on and we'll drive out. And it's really not just for us. Well, now you see. There are consequences as the gospel is preached. Now I want to say this to you very carefully. Every soul that leaves the car park this afternoon will have responded to the gospel message. That is, you will either go out that gate having believed it, or you will go out the gate an unbeliever. There's none will go out the gate on neutral territory. Everyone will go out the gate as a believer or an unbeliever. Everyone will go out converted or not. Everyone will go out with life or without it. Everyone will go out the gate, either saved or lost. What will it mean to go out that gate saved? He that believeth in the Son hath everlasting life. Go out the gate with life, life eternal. To Go out the gate knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. To Go out the gate with the promise of John 3, I'll never perish and to go out the gate with John 3 in my mind, understanding this, that new life fits me for the kingdom of God. It will not only give me the fitness for it, but it will give me the capacity to enjoy it. Is that what you've got now? Those that believe life and heaven and home and the fitness and will enjoy it, it'll be no labor. But the Bible says, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. When you, it's a mighty chapter, I know, but you pick out three words now. Perish, condemned already, wrath abiding. I took a funeral service on a very sunny afternoon in the Presbyterian burial ground at New Bliss in County Monaghan. I noticed a lady standing over, very careless, very indifferent, having little regard to anything that I was saying. And when I came down to John 3 and verse number 36 and announced these words, He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. She turned round to face me and she stood bolt upright. And I think for the first time in her life, she understood that you cannot be just a passive listener to the gospel. There are real consequences for every soul who hears the gospel. It's either life eternal or eternal condemnation. It's either heaven or hell and finding a lake of fire. It's either to be in Christ and to have hope or to be outside of Christ and of no hope. You go away carefully today and you remember now that you can approach life just like Just like a fiction story, and treated with lightness and carelessness. Or you can pause this afternoon, and the busy course of life, and realize here are things that are real. Not saved this afternoon. Your condition before God is real, not imaginary. It's real, solemn, serious. To be converted, to have life, to have salvation. It's not just an Irish notion. Not at all. It's real. A real thing to be saved, God has loved me. A real thing to be saved, Christ died and I might be saved. A real thing to be saved, as the Spirit brought to us conviction of our sin and need. And a real thing to be saved, the moment that we turn to Christ in repentance and in faith. Do you remember now, there are real consequences. The consequences, as you listen to the gospel, are eternal. For those who believe, it's eternal life. And for those who believe not, it's eternal condemnation. I want to close by reading a verse or two of a hymn. It's number 201. You listen to these grand words. It says, It is finished. What a gospel. Nothing has been left to do but to take with grateful gladness what the Savior did for you. Verse two says, It is finished. What a gospel. Hear each weary laden breast, That accepts God's great salvation. Enters into perfect rest. i read you verse 3. It is finished. What a gospel. Jesus died to save your soul. Have you taken his salvation? Have you let him make you whole? And the chorus goes like this. It is finished. Hallelujah. Christ the work has fully done. All who will may have their pardon. Through the blood of God's dear son. Your condition, condemned already, now it's real. Conversion, new life, new birth, by faith in Jesus Christ, it's real. And as you go out the gate, if you believe it, think of the reality and what it means this afternoon to have life and never to perish. Enjoy it afresh, everyone who's saved. Enjoy it in your soul. If you're not saved this afternoon, and go out that gate as an unbeliever, remember now, You're perishing, you're condemned already. The wrath of God is abiding. I appeal to you as a gospel preacher. Turn to Christ, believe in him, and enjoy the life that he gives, the life that is everlasting. Now shall we pray. Our God and Father, we give thanks again for thy word and thank thee for its reality and thank thee for its clarity. And we thank thee too that thou hast brought from it its solemnity thank thee that we are told in thy word not what we would like to hear but what we need to hear and we thank thee that thy word is truth and we bless thee for this we thank thee for this wonderful chapter that brings to us life and brings to us eternal life and assures us of thy love and the death of christ but searches our hearts as we think of souls perishing and condemned already and just to know that presently thy wrath is abiding O oh god and that souls might be real this afternoon in these matters, and we trust there might be a stirring by the power of thy Spirit to seek the life and the salvation that they so much need to be brought out of the place of condemnation and out of the place of danger and death to the place of deliverance and certainty and salvation. We ask for thy blessing then upon thy word as we commend all to thee just now in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we thank all for coming. If you just give me a minute, I'll go to the gate and I'll greet you on the way out. And we trust that God will bless his word to every heart. Thank you.